Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Being a parent can be really challenging. It's normal to feel uncertain about whether you're doing the right things to raise healthy and happy children. That's why Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them build confidence in their parenting journey. Everyone deserves to have someone they can turn to for support with parenting. Visit ChildAndFamilyResourceNetwork.org today. Hello. Hi, Toby. It's Finney. Hello, mate. How are you? I've got a bit of a problem this week. I can't record the episode because I've got a bit of a <coughs> cough. <clears throat> okay, really? Yeah, I don't want to let our two listeners down by being substandard. Yeah, all right. Well, I completely agree with you. No worries. Um, I guess Dan and I can do this week. Cheers, Toby. You twat. Did he just call me a... Oh, hang on. Here's Dan calling me. Norcross, how are you, mate? Lovely to hear from you. Toby, darling, always a pleasure. Um, now that I've, I've got a bit of a wee problem today, I'm afraid, I'm heading to a 1930s cricketer's masquerade ball today. Can you believe such a thing? Um, yes, I was, I'm going to go as Arthur Fagg, or at least I was going to go as Arthur Fagg, and then some bastards nicked that, so I've got to go as Mandy Michelinis instead. But, you know, you know all about him. Um, and after that, I'm hosting a Discord group about rainfall at test grounds in the Northern Hemisphere, which, as you know, are two of my most favourite things in the world ever. So, um, to cut a long story short, in a nutshell, or coconut shell, I can't do this week's podcast, I'm afraid. Sorry. Dan, was it the 1967 Chablis that you wanted, or the 1968 with your caviar? Hang on, was that was that Finney in the background? Finney? Finney who? You know, Stephen Finn, the bloke we speak to every single week, grumpy... Always talks about his test 50, hates me. Also, what do you know about Discord? Oh, that Finney. Um, yes. Uh, no, no, I haven't, uh, haven't heard a thing. No. Um, uh, look, I'm, I'm just getting ready to head out to this event. Yeah, and, and Discord, well, I'm all over that. It's what the kids on the streets use, and I'm down with the youth in it, brother. Recognise? 
Dan, how many times do I have to tell you that you are a middle-class wanker? Stop talking like that. You'll never be young again. Upper middle-class wanker, I think you'll find, Toby, after all that lovely BT Sport money. Uh, you do know, don't you, that they are the official UK TV rights holders for the Ashes? Anyway, uh, speaking of Finney, I think he messaged me earlier saying he was he was resting or something. He'd had a few hectic days in Derby, was it? He, he got a got a sore back, I think. Hang on, sore back? He told me that he had a bad cough. Did he? Ah, yeah. That's the story we're going with then. Um, listen, sorry, Tobes, I, I've got to go. My my caviar is uh, shriveling in the uh, afternoon sunshine. Uh, toodle pip. What a bunch of abandoning me. I bet tailenders never have this problem. I bet at tailenders everything's well slick. Anyway, at least we've got producer Sal. Oh, what's this? Producer Sal, message. Sorry, mate, spending all day rearranging my extensive Kylie Minogue collection. Oh, fuck you now. It's just me left, isn't it? Um, well, I'm not going to just talk by myself for 45 minutes. I'll tell you what I'll do. Why don't we put together a best bits? So thank you very much if you've downloaded this episode. It was, for some reason, very tricky to get me, Dan, Finney and producer Sal together this week. So we're doing a best bits podcast. Yes, you heard that correctly. 64 episodes in and you would be amazed at how difficult it was to put together 45 minutes of podcast. (laughs) Even after 64 episodes... We could barely scrap together 45 minutes. But here are the aforementioned 45 minutes. Enjoy. Let's talk about Jimmy Anderson. He's bowled over 5,000 overs in cricket, uh, international cricket. Stephen, when you played with Jimmy Anderson, you know, when you first got the England team, could you ever have imagined that he would go on to still be playing now at 38? Not only playing now, Bowling as quick as he ever has and possibly better than he ever has. I mean, I don't want to disrespect you too much here, Finney, but basically in the time that you had your England career, James Anderson had already played about five years, survived the whole of your career and has carried on for about five years afterwards as well. He's, he's pretty damn good. Could you see it when you worked with him day in, day out or has he surprised even you? No, I don't think it's all that surprising. I think you look at him as an athlete first and foremost and he's in great physical condition and he always has been. He's got that lithe frame for a fast bowler. He's not particularly big. Um, I mean, I make a lot of people look small, but but you wouldn't say he's massive for a fast bowler when you stand next to him. Uh, And you just, when I played with him, one of the things that was noticeable was just how consistent he was with everything that he did. When he goes out there in the middle, he's got this real competitive edge that means that it's always constantly driving himself forward to get better. So I think we've seen the the perfect amalgamation of that in this tour of India so far, especially in the way that he bowled to bowl India out on that last innings and just showed that it doesn't really matter if you're not hitting 95 miles an hour. There's a lot of other subtleties that come with fast bowling that can make you an effective bowler. And there's absolutely no doubt that He's, he's still a very, very effective bowler, or he's better than an effective bowler. He's a genius. So I think there's no other way to look at it other than James Anderson is a genius. And I was very glad that I got to stand at mid-off for quite a number of times in an England shirt 
with him, albeit the fact that it made me look really shit next to him. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it does, you know, because some international, good international bowlers spend their whole career trying to perfect one delivery. You know, Dale Stane spent his whole career very, very well, at, uh, very, very well, very, very good at it. But he bowled a nice, full, fast away swinger and he built his whole career around it. James Anderson's mastered about 15 different deliveries. He can land them wherever he wants. Uh, Daniel Norcross, and I know that you love crickets more, more than anything. Mm. Um, so hands where I can see them, if you, in case you get too carried away talking about this. But um, James Anderson, oh. discuss. Well, wow. I had, uh, it's not normally a pleasure to be involved in the post-match press conference. But today I did, because he was put up after the match today. And he said something really instructive. He, he was asked a question by Andrew Miller of Crick Info. In 2012, he said, you're at your peak and you're playing really, really well out in India. Do you think you might even be better? And he looked affronted. He said, of course I'm better than I was in 2012. I'm loving it more than ever. I'm loving being in the nets. I'm developing new skills, new balls. I mean, that is extraordinary for a man who's 38. Because, look, over the course of time, we've spent a fair bit of time with Finney and we hear these moaning fast bowlers. It's the toughest job in the world. Nobody has it as tough as we do. And they can't wait to retire, frankly, and then tell you how tough it's been and how batters have it easy. Jimmy Anderson doesn't want to stop. He said to me in Australia three years ago after the Ashes season when they lost Bournemouth, he said, he was really grumpy. He said, why is everybody having a go about my age? He said, well, because obviously you're not going to come back to Australia in four years' time. So obviously we think about who's the next generation. He says, why do you think that? Why do you think that I would want my last experience of going to Australia to be to lose 4-0? And then he started going off on this rant, you know, about how he was better than he'd ever been. And he, the thing is, he is better than he's ever been. It's absolutely staggering. Mm. It's like he's got the guile of an off-spinner, a really, really good off-spinner like Graham Swan with the pace of, not great pace, but it's, you know, over 80 miles an hour. You're bowling those things. And then and you don't even know if it's going to come away from you, in from you. Graham Fowler once said about Malcolm Marshall that he finally worked out that he was, which one was the outswing and which one was the inswing. And the problem was he still couldn't play it. And yeah. that is what Jimmy Anderson has become. I think he's a testament to the love of the game. He has no interest in becoming a T20 specialist and making money out of that later in his career. All he wants is test match wickets. I'm starting to think he could get he could get 700. He could get 800. I don't know when he's going to yeah. retire. He could be going in like five years. This is insane. And and we should mention as well that he's, he's had his, for the first time ever, he had a few injuries last year. And you just thought, oh, you know what? Sadly, I don't think he's going to get to go out on his own terms. You know, old father time catches out of any man. He's had a few injuries. Is he really going to, you know, force his way back into the team? You know, Joffre Archer was bowling well at that point. So was Sam Curran. So was Mark Wood. You thought, oh, maybe this is the end of, of Jimmy, but what a player he's been. And then suddenly we're sitting here going, could he take 700 wickets? Could he take just, and, and the change of the, the guy that turned up in a red Mohican at the World Cup all those years ago that I remember as a young kid. And he was erratic. He was just far, trying to bowl far too quickly. Didn't really have much control. You'd never expect him to become the bowler that he has now. Uh, I, I tried to copy that haircut when I was a youngster. He was inspirational to me. So I tried to copy the haircut on an England under-19s World Cup trip in 2008. Uh, I saw this legend, Jimmy Anderson, and Kevin Peterson at the time had the skunk in his hair. And I thought, you know what would be great for a World Cup is if I get my hair coloured bright red on the back, like little tips at the back of my head, if I had those coloured bright red, 
um, to carry myself and the boys to a World Cup victory in the Under-19 World Cup. So we were staying in a hotel in Colombo in Sri Lanka and there was a hairdressers in the lobby. I mean, mistake, first and foremost, going to the hairdressers in the lobby of a dodgy Sri Lankan hotel. <laughs> Couldn't get a spot on the high street. No, no, it, was, um, <laughs> it didn't fill me with the greatest of confidence. The bloke cutting my hair had one of the worst haircuts I've ever seen in my life. That's not a great start. <laughs> it's always a sign, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, <laughs> that, that wasn't good. And then I just said to him, can you just put some, some red tips on the back? Because I had this like quite long flowing back of my hair that was very very fashionable at the time almost the complete (laughs) opposite of mine now um so so i I got in there got this haircut i've come out like thinking i'm jack the lad walked through the lobby and john abrahams who was the under 19s manager at the time uh took one look at it and he said what have you done with your hair and i was like (laughs) well you know a bit of expression john you know just go to the world cup (laughs) being my own man and he was like you're shaving that off before we play the first game of the World Cup. And I was like, okay, John, yes, I am. You're right. So <laughs> I've still got a picture on my Facebook page, on my personal Facebook page of this big brown mop of hair with some bright red tips on it, just sheared on the bedroom floor when we got to Kuala Lumpur for the World Cup. Has Jimmy Anderson ever seen that photo? I think I did show it to him and he genuinely was howling with laughter and rolling around on the floor. Actually, I don't, I've got to say that this is interesting about groupthink, very briefly, that cricket teams do do this because there's been a rash of absolutely terrible hair in Australia lately. And it's like all cricketers, the moment they see a cricketer get some wickets, they go, oh, yeah, maybe if I look like an absolute dweeb with the worst mullet you've ever seen in your life, I'll get some wickets. I mean, that superstition gone mad. Well, it's true. Well, Australians always, if in doubt, they go to the mullet. Uh, but also, you do see old clips, and after sort of Hughes and Lily, the moustache. You saw so many, so many shit Australian bowlers with a moustache in the sort of nineties that play like two Test matches, thinking, "Well, if I've got the moustache, the bowling will will look after itself." Surely, uh, I could talk about Jimmy Anderson all day. Sorry, Freddie, what do you want to say? Uh, talking of superstitions, I think I I um, also remember when we won the championship, Middlesex in two thousand and sixteen. I said to myself as we came to the final six weeks of the season and we had six games or so left, I said, I'm not going to shave until we've won the championship. So, I mean, I'm not a very hairy man, given. I'm not going to grow a nice thick beard like you've got, Toby. It's just going to be a bit wispy. So the one regret that I've got is that when we turned up to the final day of that final game at Lords, and we were in the hunt to win the championship... I look like someone shaved like big bushy pubes off and just stuck it on my face. Um, and all the photos of us winning the championship that day, all the selfies that I've got on my phone of us celebrating is me with one of the worst beards in, in cricketing history. I'll tell you what you look like. You look like a llama with mange. That's what you look like. I was there. I was there that day. That's kind, I think. That's kind to me that day. You know, you know, 50 years from now, Finney, when you'll be looking back at those memories, you'll be going, why the fuck didn't I shave? Yeah, but, but at the time, this is the way a cricketer's mind thinks. At the time, you're like, well, if I shave and we lose, then it's the beard's fault that we've lost the championship. So I'm just going to keep going with it. It would have been wonderful for you. I mean, not obviously not for you, but for me as a, as a neutral, if you hadn't won the championship that year, you would have had to just kept growing the beard forever until, until eventually you win the championship. Is the West Indies, do you think, everybody's second team? Oh, 
Yeah, it's well, second equal with New Zealand, but for totally different reasons. Right. Because everyone's got the idea that all the Kiwis are really, really nice. I suspect that they're all evil Bond villains. They're just actually. better at covering it up than Australians. Are. Yeah. Yeah. Finney, Finney might be able to, to advise us on that. But, you know, Jimmy Neesham does a really good job on Twitter. Kay Williamson seems really, really nice. Deep down, I think they're all psychopaths. Oh, yeah. As, as, there's the bodies Indies. under Kane Williamson's floorboards, no question. But we're West Indies. I mean, part of it is because we've all got this slightly Stockholm syndrome from having been brought up with the West Indies being brilliant. So when they became crap, it was a bit of a weird thing because you got so used to being absolutely mullered by these people that you went through these various phases of really wanting to beat them and then going, oh no, they are the master race. They are far superior to us. And then they just kept on losing and being totally rubbish. And so seeing them come back is great. And that, I, to come back with people like Carl Mayers and Raheem Cornwall, the characters of it, I don't know if you've ever seen Capybara Man on Twitter. He puts out these pictures of Capybaras that all look like Rafael Nadal, incidentally. <laughs> Partly because Rafael Nadal looks exactly like a Capybara, even more than Stephen Finn looks like a llama. And... <laughs> And uh, there's this great picture of a giant capybara with about five capybaras all crawling over it. And that is the picture at the end of that test match where you've got Raheem Cornwall. And then you've got these perfectly normal-sized cricketers <laughs> sort of clambering over. You call him a man mountain. I mean, yeah. He's a, he's a Mount Rushmore, isn't he? He's absolutely. He's like nine men in one. It's absolutely huge. And the wonderful thing about it is he bowls off two paces. He's like... When you, when you go to school and you've got the old pro that they're paying to teach you how to play cricket and he bowls off two paces and gets you to learn the forward defensive, that's what Raheem Cornwall bowls. But he's lethal yeah. in Bangladesh off two paces. <laughs> and then, you know, it's like, you know, the, the, the Bermuda cricketer. He's like a supercharged, what was his name? Uh, Slip? Dwayne Leverock. Dwayne Leverock. He's like, he's like, the, he's like what Dwayne Leverock's perfect life, isn't he? <laughs> um, Finney, mate, I mean, you're doing pre-season at the minute. They're, you know, they're no doubt putting you through your drills and making you do all this fitness and stuff like that. And then you look at Raheem Cornwall taking nine wickets and winning test matches international level. Do you not just go, why do I bother? Why don't, why don't you bowl off spin, Stephen Finney? I've wondered for the last 16 years why I don't <laughs> bowl off spin, to be quite frank, sometimes. Yeah, it's one of those things, isn't it, where I think... Ultimately, in cricket, performance matters. And actually, the thing that matters are, or the things that matter are how many wickets you take and how many runs you score and how many catches you do. So theoretically, the size that you are shouldn't matter when it comes to doing those things. I think cricket is a sport that famously over the years has embraced characters like that. But as we've moved into the 21st century and there's more money in the game and there's more fitness coaches around because of ECB grants and things like that the the shape of the boys that I play with now they've been phenomenal Nick like they, even when they come in like usually you get a couple of the young blokes who have a bit of puppy fat on them you tease them for a few months and then they lose it there's not even any of those coming through to poke fun at at the moment so um yeah it, it's a funny one where ultimately if I was to go out and take nine wickets in a test match and score the runs that he can and catch the catches, 
I'd be sat here eating as many chocolate digestives as I possibly could get into my gob without vomiting. <laughs> um, and then telling the selectors that, well, I've just took nine wickets in a match. You can't not pick me, so I'm going to crack on eating my biscuits. <laughs> and that's that elite mentality that you look for in any sportsman. He's pissed off he can't eat prawns at Lords anymore. And he begrudges anyone that can eat hobnobs guilt-free. And that is... It's <laughs> all about food with Finny, isn't it? It's all about food. It's, it's, it's fascinating. It, it's, yeah. so, it's such an honour to sit here and, and tap into the brain of an elite sportsman like this. It, it really is. You've caught me late at night. This is my craving hour as well. It's usually... I'm like a pregnant woman. I get to about half past nine at night and there's just this voice from the cupboard in the kitchen going, there's cookies in here. <laughs> you sound like a tiny, emaciated Irish jockey. <laughs> let me have some let me have some boiled beef at least <laughs> we have gone full circle to, to start on Rakeem Cornwall and finish at a small Irish jockey that is really polar opposites if, if ever I've seen it uh, but I think you're right he's the sort of character that cricket that cricket loves and I think everybody's rooting for for big Rakeem Cornwall now Daniel Norcross something else that caught your eye uh, over the last few days. So David Gower has made his sort of return to Sky because they're televising the PSL and Dave Gower is, of course, commentating on it. It's nice to have David Gower back on our screens. But he's a complete sellout, isn't he, Daniel Norcross? What did you hear him say the other day? <laughs> well, do you know, it, I'm not going to say he's a sellout, but it, did, it, it felt very strange indeed because on the PSL, not only do they sponsor at the close of play, you know, you've got the five different sort of man of the match awards and super smashing shot through someone's window award and that kind of thing. But they've now got sponsors for different shots. So there's a cover drive unfurled the other day and David, with as much gusto as he could manage, pronounced it a splendid Brito cover drive. Now, I don't know about you, but hearing David Gower have to use sponsored language in the yeah. middle of a game is, is a bit like hearing your grandmother rapping. It's like... <laughs> It, it's just really, it's, and look, kind of feel for him because, you know, I had to do it myself back in the day when I ran something called Test Match Sofa. We needed money. So we got um, Leon restaurants to hire us. You'll be familiar with them. They're in all sorts of railway stations and posh healthy food. Streets. Yeah. Posh, posh healthy, healthy food. fast food. Yeah. That's right. So we would go, you know, if the ball went over the boundary, go, that's a Leon restaurants for it tastes great and it looks fantastic or something and it's good for you. And, uh, and subsequently, we got sponsored by a Gaylord Indian restaurant, which we had a certain amount of uh, fun with. You know, that's a marvellous korma forward defensive from Gaylord Indian restaurants. Now, <laughs> the difference between us and David Gower is that we were absolutely shit-faced <laughs> shouting at TV. But David Gower, I mean, you know, he's a, he's a venerable member of the cricketing establishment. It's, it's quite the thing, isn't it? It's, it, it, is, it is bizarre, isn't it? Now, I could mock, but also as a man who works in commercial radio, who is a slave to, uh, to capitalism, uh, and also a man whose show on Radio X is sponsored by Rustler's Microwavable Burgers, the tagline is, it's better than you think. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> is that for real? Yeah. Is, oh, who my... thought that up? It's to be sacked, don't they? Better than you think. I might make that my tagline now, actually. <laughs> Stephen Finney's better than you think. <laughs> I swear to God, that is Russell's tagline, and they sponsor my show. And me and Russell have a beautiful relationship. Thankfully, they can take a joke like Harry Gurney. Russell's can take a joke because 
I have to allude to the fact that I'm on air, that I'm sponsored by microwavable burgers. There's too much comedy in that, but rustlers are so laid back about it. They're very, very cool. Um, so I will not take the moral high ground here on David Gower uh, going through sponsored cover drives. However, it did get me thinking, rather than sponsoring just the shot, big companies should sponsor certain players. So, for example, if Josh Butler is playing a reverse sweep, and he's probably you know the best reverse sweeper in the world maybe at the moment, you know, a big company could come in and pay good money for Josh Butler's reverse sweep. And they only have to say it when Josh Butler does a reverse sweep. And then I was bored earlier and I was, uh, and I was going through basically all the shots that I could think of in the book. And I've decided who has the best of that shot in the history of cricket. And I'm going to let you two chime Ooh. in here and disagree or agree. So if you picture it, I'm kind of starting at the batsman. And I'm going around 360 degrees back to third man, all the way down to point, blah, 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 all the way back round to deep fine leg. does get a bit complicated because there's some right and left handers in here. But forward defensive, if you were going to sponsor any cricketer in history's forward defensive, it's Rahul Dravid, right? Yeah, I can't really argue with that. Yeah? I mean, you know, Jeffrey might want to, well, Jeffrey would have a word with you about about everything and as a yorkshireman he'd take the money as well if they offered to oh yes he'd block even more if you're willing to pay jeffrey boycott for his forward defensive back in the day he'd have been even more dull to watch um right run down to third man kane williamson easy yeah i like that yeah okay yeah i can't i can't argue at the moment now, now this next shot the square cut is an important one because Everybody should be able to play the square cut because the square cut is just putting away a short and wide one, yes? There's every batsman can play the square cut. All left-handers can play it because right, right arm bowlers get a bit greedy and go across them and then too much and they slap it. So I put Brian Lara as probably the best exponent of the square cut, but I've got no respect for the square cut. I've got no respect for it. Ooh. It's it's just it's just putting rubbish in the bin, isn't it? Uh, you should... Oh no, a Robin a Robin Smith square cut was a thing of savage beauty. I mean, you actually you saw people desperately not want to field at point or you know a slightly square gully or cover when uh, when Robin Smith was. I mean, he it, and he used to cut it with those, those forearms, those massive forearms. God, it's wonderful to watch. Jeez. This is why I'm glad you're here, Norcross, because I have obviously lent towards players that I've seen in my lifetime. Oh, yeah. yeah. And that is and that is why I thought, well, maybe Dan's going to have some suggestions from yesteryear. So Robert Smith is perfect. I also am told that Gordon Greenwich, my dad used to bang on about his square cut as well. He used to say it was a big, over-the-top, extravagant square cut. But basically, it's just getting rid of a crap delivery, isn't it? But then you've got batsmen who can turn different deliveries into a square cut. So, and they're the most annoying ones to bowl at. And they tend to be about five foot one. Mm. So for someone my height, you let go of the ball and you think, ah, oh, that's a good length ball. And then all of a sudden, this little small person gets on the back foot and cuts it off of off stump. And you're left there thinking, scratching your head, why on earth has that gone to the boundary? So I'd say one of the best exponents of the square cut and for turning deliveries into a square cut that shouldn't particularly have been a square cut is probably Verinda Sewe. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He made yeah. it look beautiful, to be fair. Yeah. I, I do think that's the key to a good square cut is somebody that plays it to the balls where it's not normally there rather than Andrew Strauss just waited for the short wide one and then put it mm. away. But ones that can actually just... I mean, I remember watching Tendulkar in ODIs as well, just turning, turning Brett Lee full and straight on about middle and off, turning those into square cuts somehow. So, yeah, I will give you that, Finney. I'll give you that. I'll bow to your superior knowledge. Uh, square drive, I've gone for Joe Root. Loves a square drive. 
loves a square drive. Virat, Co- Virat Kohli will have an argument. Yeah, with yeah, I'll give he you threads, that. He threads the square drive with, with great accuracy. See, if I was going to do root, I'd have the savage sweep in front of square. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll give you. I'll give you the basic sweep to Joe Root if there's any companies that want to sponsor that. Who are uh, you going to com- do? Who are you going to do for the um, the abject leave? Well, the leave- now, there was there was Mike Gatting, then there was Michael Clark, famously against against Simon Hughes. I think nowadays though, we're looking aren't we, at Dom Sibley. He's he's he loves the the leave the, the leave when he actually watches the ball onto his stumps on the spinner. <laughs> there's also if you get a chance to YouTube Herschel Gibbs leaving Michael Kasprovich. There's a very good one there where Michael Kasprovich pitches it on middle and leg. And it's an away swinger that hits middle and Gibbs just leaves it the whole way. <laughs> it's a, it's a thing of beauty. Uh, cover drive. I've gone for Ian Bell. It's got to be Ian Bell's cover drive, isn't it? And, and I want to get belly on the podcast at some point, And I'm sure we will. Cause I'm convinced that the more that people talked about his cover drive, the more he used to purposely overdo it and exaggerate how beautiful his cover drive was. Definitely. There's nothing more that pisses me off than a batsman who cover drives you and then run down the wi- runs down the wicket. Sometimes he'd hold the pose until he was right in the bowler's face at the other end. And there, there's actually nothing more that is red rag to a ball for a fast bowler than some jumped up little shit of a batsman <laughs> holding the pose all the way into your face, almost saying, yeah, <laughs> keep bowling it, mate. They're going to keep going to the boundary. And you just think, twat. <laughs> all right, can, can our producer just keep tabs on the number of things that are the worst thing that batsmen do to Stephen Fink? Because I reckon we've had three other ones already. And we're only on to our third podcast. You hate, yeah. you hate is, batsmen, don't you? We've, we've talked about these podcasts being therapy for me. And, <laughs> you know, you've cut me down about calling me shit. And now I'm just getting all of this off my chest now about what batsmen have done to me over the years so if you can bear with me uh i'll keep i'll keep going if you don't mind yeah no i mean the good thing is it's it's great for the listener probably terrible for your mental health but great for our listening figures so so i'm fine for you to carry on also i'm going to take that tirade as you saying yeah probably ian bell cover drivers probably i'll agree with that straight drive i've gone for sachin tendulkar i had to squeeze him in somewhere his straight drive was pretty damn magnificent again i'm open to suggestions on that finney Disagree. Shane Watson. Oh, uh, yeah. A lot of people out there might say you're, you're taking the piss a little bit, putting Shane Watson above Sachin Tendulkar. But I bowled at Shane Watson a fair bit in my career. And you had to purposely have your mid-on deeper and way straighter than a normal mid-on would be. Because when you were running up or when I was running up, it just felt as though he was so desperate to put his studs in your forehead and get on the front foot that anything that was full of a length, he just hit directly straight past the stumps, past the umpire. So we actually set a fielder almost especially for Shane Watson's straight drive when we played against him. Yeah, he did used to play a glorious straight drive. It was also, though, partly the reason that he was constantly out LBW because he planted that front foot trying to play a straight drive every single ball. But it was a, it was a thing of beauty. Now, I've given Kevin Peterson the whole area from mid-on through to mid-wickets. <laughs> I've just given him that whole f- about like 25% of the pitch. I've just said KP mid on to, to mid wicket. You can have that one, mate. Um, Ooh, can I, can I put, can I, can I, this, uh, KP won't like this. He won't like this at all, you know, but um, <laughs> no, he's an incredible player. Um, Rashid Khan, for me, the Rashid Khan wild flail of arms and legs and the ball weirdly sees Rashid Khan flat on his back, but the ball itself helicoptered over deep mid wicket is a thing of beauty. I'll give you KP's Flamingo, but I think for the absolute sort of cartoon arms and leg shot out into the leg side, 
okay. like Rashid. Come on. I'll allow that. I'll, the, the splay of the left leg shot. I'll, I'll give yeah. you that one. And I've gone for clip off the pads and I've gone for just Cookie, Alistair Cook here. Just a single. I don't, I, don't, I don't even want him to hit it for four. I just want him to just nudge it for a, for a single. Just, uh, just leave, 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 leave. You've bowled too straight. Clip off the pad. Single. And he just did that for about 15 years and scored 10,000 runs and then retired. It was, it was pretty effective. I'd like to give an honourable mention here as well for an ugly nerdle off the hip to Dean Elgar of South Africa, <laughs> who if it just is amazing at just putting an ugly little single, just clipped it off the hip, just, just working. Well, do you know? South Africans are incredible, aren't they? Some of, some of the greatest South African players are the ones that you would you would pay money not to watch. I mean, I'm thinking... <laughs> well, Graham Smith was good at the cover drive that went through square leg. Yeah. <laughs> hey, here's, here we go. This is more therapy for Finney. Come more on. therapy for Finney. Get, get your Graham Smith off your shoulder. <laughs> well, it was almost impossible to set a field for because I think he genuinely meant to hit them through extra cover. And they'd just go through mid-wicket. You sat there as a bowler, you're thinking, I mean, is he taking the piss out of me here and actually and hitting them there like, and turning the bat face? Or is he meaning for these to go through extra cover and they just go through square leg? I, I haven't got a fucking clue. And to be honest, if he didn't, then fair play. <laughs> I mean, if he's mastered that shot, then fair play to him because he did it for about 8,000 test runs or something. And the uh, rest, I reckon. Yeah. yeah, and the rest. Yeah, it must be more than that. Uh, hook shot. Now, I've gone before my era here. But by all accounts, basically, my dad always used to bang on about Viv Richards playing the hook shot, that, that he was great at it because he was so used to facing fast West Indian bowling. Uh, the other option is just Brian Close. Just don't even play a shot. Just wear it on the skull, which is, a, which is another option. Pull shot, ponting, obviously, has got to be mentioned. Michael Vaughan, for about 18 months, had yeah. the greatest pull shot ever. He just didn't sustain it. Finney's shaking his head there. It was no, for about I don't 18, think... 18 months he played it well. Yeah, fair enough. But I from... Like watching Ponting get hit in the face, wasn't it by Mohammed Asif? It was like, and he was just so unbelievably surprised that he'd missed the pull shot and it hit him in the face, spat a bit of blood out, and then just cracked on and kept pulling them. I think, yeah, Ricky Ponting, you can't argue with that. Yeah, and uh, Harmison, of course, hit him in the face in the first test of the 2005 Ashes, and then Ponting scored a hundred at Old Trafford, was it? Just still pulling everything off Harmison to the fence. Different pulls, though. I think I'm going to give you the standard Ponting pull. But mm. the pull I liked the most was still Alex Stewart's pull way in front of square mm. through deep mid-wicket for one bounce four. Yeah. After he'd played it, he would almost then readjust his collars, dust himself down, blow on the bat and start again. And ah. swivel, swivel the bat three times in his hands <laughs> and then go again. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And then I've put um, Chinese cut, uh, Stephen Finn. Just a nice inside edge down to deep fine leg. <laughs> oh, that's mean. I thought we were going to go for the uh, eye-closed larrap at Brisbane over wide long on. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, there's a number that I've specialised in. I think if you ask my teammates, the one that I've mastered the most is getting hit straight on the shin off a half volley, um, straight in front of middle stump would be probably the one that my teammates would say I'm most accustomed to. <laughs> the sponsors, are, I'd love it if someone sponsored that. Every time you're out plumbing front of middle stump this season, we'll give you five grand. You make a fortune, but you make way more than you're making off the hundred. I'll tell you, I'll tell you who should sponsor that. It's got to be co-op funeral services. The co-op funeral services stone dead LBW. <laughs> <laughs> If co-op are listening, we can, we can make that happen for you, Finney, mate. We can make that happen. The leave, Steve Smith, but I don't want to give him the satisfaction because his leave annoys me so, so much. Uh, and Manus Labashain, who's just 
obviously a lap dog and wants to be a bit like wants to be like Steve Smith and copy him in every single way. Um, I'm going to give the leave to Marcus Cheskovic because he does that beautiful where you just bring the bat just inside the line. So for the first few overs, and Finney, you must have experienced this. Bowlers think that they're all over a batsman. They're going, oh, this guy plays and misses at everything before you realise actually he's just playing his bat inside the line and just not following it at all. But Mark Treskoffit, you could always tell when no one had ever bowled at him before because they'd be excited for about four or five overs and then realise when he's on 150 that, oh no, it turns out he was just leaving me all alone. Yeah, he, he was so good at that. I've played in one of my first ever List A games against Marcus Treskoffit and, uh, and he did that to me a couple of times. I was like... <laughs> What's this bloke giving it? He's playing and missing here. He, you know, he's just come back or just finished playing for England and tearing it up in county cricket. And he like goes through the repertoire where he plays inside a few. And then I can't believe we didn't talk about him for the dab down to third man. But he also did it where it came yeah. off the full face of the bat. It was not like he even angled it to get down there. He just played it so late that it would come off the middle of his bat and piss off down to third man. And you'd be like, right, this bloke's probably got my number here. And then as he just cranked it up into third gear, he'd start hitting through the line of it through extra cover. And, and that's when he was really in on the charge. So, yeah, he was probably one of the most demoralising people I've ever bowled at because you'd think you had a sniff and then it would just would come to you all of a sudden. You think this bloke's just taking the mickey out of me. Yeah. <laughs> is, it, is, it, is, it, is it the worst thing in cricket, Finney? Is it? <laughs> I've experienced worse, um, <laughs> but but yeah, it, it's up there. There are a number of things that, that are on a par up there, yeah. Um, other mentions here, I've put, obviously, the Dill Scoop is, is Dill Shan. Uh, Dhoni's got the windmill. KP's got the switch hit. Isn't um, the windmill something else? I think yeah, Dhoni's I the helicopter. Say, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you see the windmill at, at, um, at, <laughs> on the full Monty or something, don't you? Yeah, yeah. I, I can't imagine too many people sponsoring Dhoni to do that every game. Uh, and I've also put the slog sweep, Malloy. Malloy, who, uh, who got down on one knee and slog swept Brett Lee into the sixth tier of the MCG or how many tiers it's got as well. But yeah, I mean, those are, those are some of my suggestions. If there are any companies that want to sponsor any of those beautiful things, then, uh, then please get in touch. We can't make it happen, but just get in touch anyway. It'll do our social media followers who hold of good, which moves us nicely on to actually the Finn Credibles, Stephen Finn fans, because we, uh, we've been getting questions for Finney on social media. Very quickly, guys, because I'm aware that uh, we're running over time. But uh, Finney, from Emma, choice of being in one of the three shows. I'm a celebrity, get me out of here, Strictly or Naked Attraction. Which one are you going on? Well, I think we can pretty solidly rule out naked attraction to begin with because being two metres tall and uh, and a bit skinny, you're probably not tearing up any trees on um, <laughs> on naked attraction, I wouldn't say. I think being on I'm a Celebrity, uh, I, just, I just can't see me being happy being in a tunnel full of snakes and rats and, and, uh, and not looking like an absolute buffoon on national TV and people realising that even though I'm a fast bowler, that I'm a complete and utter wimp when it comes to that stuff. So I think by denomination, it's probably strictly come dancing, but I would probably also need 10 pints before every episode to have the courage to go out there and do it. Now that is a TV show that I would watch. Just drunk strictly come dancing would be a much better experience. <laughs> there wouldn't be that many episodes, Vinny. You'd have to do the first two and after that. And you get paid the same amount whether you make it to the final or not. You are made for strictly. Cricketers have a history on Strictly, don't yeah, they? They do. I, I've got to you say, never know, I might discover some hips from somewhere. It might be good <laughs> for my cricket. I tell you, that I, I never cried so much in my life as uh, Mark Ramprakash's salsa that he had to redo when he got his microphone caught in Karen Hardy's uh, brass strap. It was 
It was a thing of wonder. And I, I tell you, it was one of the one of the most moving incidents of my life. Darren Goff, <laughs> he was pretty handy at it. Yeah, Michael well. Vaughan survived for quite a while. Graham Swan will tell you he was brilliant. Yeah. Um, yeah, cricketers have got a noble, a noble um, history, but that doesn't mean to say that it needs to carry on like that, Finney. I'm sure we could get you out there to do I, I, I sort of see you doing a rumba. The, well, I think the campaign starts now for Samit Patel on the next edition of Strictly Come Dancing as well. Wouldn't that be uh, Samit Patel in sequins? You're telling me that wouldn't sell? Come on. Come on, <laughs> come on! I'd watch it certainly. Um, and well, finally, it, 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 it demands. Sorry, it demands his outfit made of chocolate buttons, and the whole scene would go <laughs> ill. Um, Finny, and finally, I've got a question here from Rob, who says, "Why didn't you accept my offer of some chicken at Trent Bridge versus Pakistan in 2010?" Well. I actually foresaw the COVID-19 pandemic and realised that personal (laughs) hygiene was something of great importance to me. So when a bloke who'd had 10 pints was hanging over the boundary board with a bucket of KFC, holding it out in the palm of his hand, asking me if I wanted some of his chicken, when I I declined that, I I probably made a sensible decision, I'd say. Do you remember him then? Can 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 you picture it in your mind's eye? Well, it's, no, I'd say a fair few more significant things have happened to me in the last 10 years for that to be erased from my memory. But <laughs> judging by the way the tweet was worded, I can only imagine that he was uh, inebriated at the time. Now, Johnny Bairstow's innings was ugly. I think we can all agree with that. Not as ugly as the pink waistcoats that the uh, Indian broadcasters are being forced to wear in the coverage. Uh, I saw Murali Kartik wearing one uh, and Ajit Agarka wearing one they they are horrendous those pink waistcoats I, I, like they don't fit right they look uncomfortable they look like they're made out of cardboard they they, they actually i can't understand I'm, i can't listen to anything any of them are saying even if they're saying something really fascinating because i'm going hideous waistcoat hideous waistcoat hideous waistcoat in my head at all times and that i've done a tv show with daniel norcross who, who specializes yeah. in hideous clothing and even I was able to concentrate during that. Have you ever been forced to wear anything against your will uh, for your, any of your jobs, Daniel? Uh, yes. Uh, the, the, during, the, during the Red Bull, yeah, the, the Ruth Strauss test, uh, I, I always get the memo that is, please only wear red. And the only things I've got that are red are a red satin jacket, a red Doug Mountjoy, God bless his soul, recently departed Welsh snooker player, frilly shirt, with black piping it looks absolutely magnificent um, <laughs> if you may say it, it doesn't sound yeah, it, I'll be honest. A, a red knitted bow tie that was sent to me by the, uh, the only member of my band club and uh, very huge and a pair of red trousers and, uh, and and red shoes and i look an absolute abomination and every year tms takes a picture of it and uh, tweets it out so yeah i'm used to this but i mean look finney will be more used to it that, that's Essentially, it's Middlesex pink that they're wearing. And I'm imagining that Lords, isn't that how you're sort of serviced by gate men in pink waistcoats whenever there's a T20 on? I mean, I never get to go down that neck of the woods because they won't let me be an MCC member. Quite right, too. <laughs> yeah, too, quite. I mean, quite right, too, indeed. I mean, I'll tell you now, any sort of any sort of members, private members clubs that are listening, do not let Daniel Norcross in. <laughs> Uh, it, it will be the worst decision you ever make ever. I guess, Finney, so every every season when you get your get your new kit, you must be like, oh, excited, new stash today, new stash today. Have you ever sort of unwrapped a New England One Day shirt or a New Middlesex 2020 shirt and gone, oh, that's hideous. I've got to wear that all season. Yeah, there's there's been some shockers over the years. I think the worst thing that 
I've ever been given to wear team issue was for our under 19 World Cup that we spoke about when I had that dodgy haircut. And we spoke about that a few weeks ago. That same trip, they gave us brown suits to wear. So when we turned up to the World Cup, we had to wear brown suits with a, uh, a yellow shirt. So we looked like we looked like UPS delivery men who getting out the getting out the van. Is it UPS that wear the brown stuff? Yeah, yeah. They've they've got the van with no door on. Yeah. I've never understood that. Just put whack a door <laughs> on. Sling a door on, boys. Yeah. No door? It's prime for carjacking. That isn't it? I thought that a number of times. Um, but it's um. Yeah, like they gave us these hideous brown suits. And I remember showing my parents it. And my mum was like, you're not seriously fucking turning up to a World Cup wearing that, are you? And I was like, well, yeah, it's my England suit, mum. It's great. And she, she's laughing at me saying it looks shocking. And now looking back on those photos, first of all, I've got a haircut that makes me look critically ill. And then second of all, I'm wearing this brown suit with a yellow shirt. And, and it's just, yeah, it was not a good combination. I do have pictures of that somewhere. It's, it's not ideal. I love, the, I love the fact that first and foremost in your brain is carjacking when you see UPS vans. I, mean, I, have, I have to say, I just think that looks a bit drafty, but you're actually thinking about carjacking. Yeah, just think if the bloke leaves the keys in, you're off with people's parcels. Wait, you're off. I was going to say, you've got a whole back, everything in the back's valuables that people are waiting to arrive at their house. And some bright spot thought it was a good idea to take the doors off and also make them wear shorts. Have you been in New York in December? It's freezing. Poor bloke's got no door on and some shorts. Oh, stupid. That's why I'm an Amazon man, and I always will be till I die. Because <laughs> you can't, because you, because you can't carjack them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I know that my parcel is going to arrive because nobody's carjacked the poor driver in shorts on the way. I want to disassociate myself with both of these people. I'm absolutely disgusted. <laughs> <laughs> um, now you did mention that uh, Daniel Norcross there briefly. Your fans, and and uh, before we go, there is one topic that we need to discuss fan, and this is more important fan, not fans fan. toby well, this is more important than anything else that's going on at the minute so uh stephen finn today was doing the cricket social for the bbc and covering england versus india and some nice tweets came in about stephen finn's performance and how he was a a breath of fresh air and what a great addition to the cricket social he is and how lovely it is to hear his voice on on the radio um and finney was taking great delight in this you know and uh, and we were we were all looking at twitter and seeing the lovely feedback for finney and sharing it on our whatsapp group and daniel norcross perked up and saw a few of the ladies that have been commenting on how great Stephen finn was and daniel went i know those two they're always tweeting lovely things about me daniel norcross Stephen finn mm. is stealing your listeners and your listeners are a very particular type usually lonely women and alcoholics and finney's <laughs> hoovering them up well, I wouldn't like to say, uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't like to, to attach those uh, titles to them, Toby, because I have no idea whether they're lonely or alcoholic. But, but you know, they were my fans once. And, you know, he's got 250 international wickets, as he keeps on telling us. He's, he's basically taken my slot on the social today. I wasn't there, was I? He was. Is, is there anything else you want to steal from me, Finney? I mean, I've got precious little in yeah, life. What have you 50, got? Nearly 52. What? I'm nearly 52. I've got sod all left. And what little I do have left, you're stealing from yeah. me. Well, tell me what you've got that's valuable to you, and I'll do my best to jag that as well. <laughs> oh, uh, and then, as if that's not bad enough, I'm, I'm doing my radio show, uh, you know, my, my, my fantastic radio show, Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. to 1 p.m., Radio X, if you're ever around. And I start getting tweets and texts and going, uh, Toby, not listening to the show today because uh, I'm just listening to the BBC coverage of the cricket. So Finney's stealing my oh. listeners and Dan's fans it's unbelievable. 
do you know what me and Daniel Norcross would give to have had an international cricket career, Finney? You've had your fun. Let us have this moment. It's unbelievable. Who's, who else can we get on this podcast? Have, have, we gone, have we gone too far to turn this ship around? It's the entitlement to the man. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I'm thinking maybe Laurie Evans. Maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe a replacement. Yeah, oh, mind you, that said, Laurie's quite popular. When he wears that beanie. It'd be far more, um, far more interesting than I am, though. That's uh, That'd be the important Ryan thing. Ryan Sidebottom. Let's go there with that. There we go. Yeah. There's no threat there, yeah, is there? Man. There's no... <laughs> the, the sad fact is, Daniel, that let's be honest, if... if we go before Finney well, goes. Hold on, Siddy did yeah. Dancing on Ice, didn't he? He'd have a tribe of women who've seen him in sequence on Dancing on oh, Ice. Oh, Christ, so. you're right. There's no one left, is there? Oh, there's got to be someone. Is David Ward still around, the old Surrey player? Do you remember David Ward? Yeah. Do you know what I like? is <laughs> When you watch old 50s cricket and they're all really ugly blokes. What we need, what we That's what cricket is missing, is more ugly blokes that make Daniel and I look better. Uh, if we could, if we could sort of get the ECB keeping an eye out, but in the nets when we're looking for the next, you know, they do all these programs around the country of find England's next fast bowler or find England's next spin bowler and all that. I just want an ECB scout that stands in the net and going, well, he's crap, but he's also hideous, so we'll give him a go and make Daniel and Toby feel better. That that would be fantastic. Thank you very much for listening to that best of zero ducks given episode. When you put it all together, you realise just how shit the podcast is. But thank you for listening and please tell your friends. By the way, if you would like to see us live and after listening to those best bits, I don't blame you if you don't want to. We are next month going to be raising some money for the wonderful charity that is Lord's Taverners at a lunch event. And if you hate Zero Ducks Given, that's completely understandable. But also, David Gower is going to be there. So come on. Who doesn't love a bit of David Gower? We're hoping to also entice in a few other special extra guests. And it is called A Lunch with Finn Norcross and Tarrant. I'm not happy about the fact that Finn and Norcross's names are ahead of mine in the billing, but it's too late to change the branding now. We're going to be raising some money genuinely for a wonderful, wonderful cause. If you don't know, the Lord's Taverners raises money and tries to give young people no matter what their background is, a sporting chance. It's a charity that's very close to my heart. My family's been involved for a very long time. And you could help raise money for that charity by seeing us live next month. So all the information you need is on the Lord's Taverners website. And we will be looking back at a strange and insane winter of cricket for the England team. And we'll be looking forward to hopefully a much better summer for the boys as well. Plus there'll be food, drink, cricket chat and the chance to meet Stephen Finn and also myself and Norcross, but I won't pretend for a second that you care about that. So yeah, your chance to meet David Gower, Stephen Finn, two other blokes, and have a lot of wine and a lot of food as well. So we hope to see you there raising money for a wonderful cause. Thank you very much for listening to Zero Ducks Given. Cheers, bye-bye. Being a parent can be really challenging. Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them on their parenting journey. Everyone deserves someone they can turn to for help with parenting. Visit childandfamilyresourcenetwork.org today. It's not easy being the one everyone counts on to keep the facility running, no matter the weather or supply chain hiccup. But we get you, Raymond in Buffalo and Maria in Miami, Jules in Minneapolis and Stan in central Indiana. 
Taking control of everything that's under your control. At Granger, we're here for you with experienced branch staff at over 250 locations so you get the product you're looking for. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Sports Social Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.